What's going on guys? Welcome to episode 9 of Dime Dropper. Before we get started as always, remember to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod, Facebook Dime Dropper Pod, and to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. So let's get right into it. It's just you and me again for the Coast to Coast Report 3 and we got a lot to talk about and I'm not very happy about many things. Let's just start with the Eastern Conference series, the Celtics and the Raptors. The Celtics lead two games to none. I did say Celtics in seven in my last episode. And if you didn't catch my breakdown, my video breakdown, please go do so. I had posted it on YouTube about the Celtics and how their defense was so good in game one. And they just kind of rolled over the Raptors in game one uh, on both ends of the floor from the start. I thought the contributions from everywhere were really good. And I thought the Raptors were pretty atrocious. Their decision making was awful. Check the breakdown. I kind of broke it down there as best I could. Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet, the decision-making was just poor all around. Siakam was no better. And then let's talk about Game 2. So Game 2, the Raptors kind of made some adjustments, played more seriously, had a closer game. We're up 8 in like the fourth quarter. And then and we're doing a good job on Kemba Walker. And Ibaka was having a better game. And then we had the Marcus Smart show. I mean, we've seen this guy throughout his career. He can get streaky. He can get hot. And that's exactly what he did in the fourth quarter of game two. And it was big time. It was huge. Uh, not to mention his great defense that he always plays. You know, I, I said in my breakdown, he's one of the best defenders in the league. Um, I did say in my last episode, whoever wins the Jason Tatum-Siakam matchup, is it's going to be a big advantage in this series. And right now, it's not even looking like a matchup. It's looking like it's very clear that Jason Tatum is the far better player. Um, I have said this to other people before. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Pascal Siakam fan. I was really early on the train last year, early in like, I want to say November, talking to everybody about how much better he is and how he's the most improved player by a landslide. And, you know, now he has star expectations and he is a star. He's definitely not a superstar. He's a star. And Kyle Lowry is a, let's be honest here about Kyle Lowry. He's a very good player. Raptors fans adore him. He does all the little things. Yes, I see them. Trust me. I'm the least scoring. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, a huge scoring guy. You can do other things and affect the game and and me love you. But Kyle Lowry is a very fringe all-star. Let's be honest. He's only made the all-star team because he was in a guard in the East that's been shit for 20 years. Um, in the West, he would have never sniffed it. I would have I much rather had prime Mike Conley over any Kyle Lowry ever. And the only reason that he... Has an all-star appearance. Several is because he's with the East. And the Raptors were such good teams because they were in the weak East. Or should I say the least. And last year he was the third best player on a championship team. And deserves credit for that. But you know, now he's back to being that second guy. And he's back to having a kind of DeRozan type situation. Where there's a guy on his team that seems to be getting found out in the playoffs. And Siakam, as good as he is, he has decent postgame, but his footwork is extremely choppy when he get Like, Siakam last year in the playoffs was still taking people by surprise. Now, he's getting the attention that the main guy gets, and the best defenders guard him. And Jalen Brown has really had his number when Siakam's tried to go at him in the post. His footwork is choppy. He loses balance very easily. His contested floaters in the paint are not very consistent, aren't good enough at the highest level, like great finishers are in the NBA or great finishers have been in the past. Siakam is getting found out a little bit here, and they need to step it up because this could be over quickly. I'm still going to stand by my pick Celtics in seven. And one thing I really enjoyed in the last game was Kemba Walker didn't have the best game. But 
what happens to all great players? And I remember seeing Kobe so many times in my life have these moments where you're shooting poorly, but all of a sudden when it comes down to crunch time, you will your team across the finish line and hit the shots that count. So Kemba Walker may not have had the best game, but no one's going to fucking remember it. What we're going to remember is those big shots because the Celtics are up 2 nothing, and they won two games in the second round, and they didn't even do that last year with Kyrie. So Kemba Walker, bravo. In his first second round series of his career, he is absolutely killing it um and yeah i don't really give a shit about field goal percentage when you get the win because you know what uh one of my good friends jack moran i hope you're listening to this uh always said to me um if you're not hot keep shooting till you get hot so kevin walker never strayed away from taking his looks at the basket and doing his thing um by the way once again keep giving me feedback on the episodes uh i'm not getting as much as i'd like of course, if you, once again, please tell me what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. I've been trying to keep the episode shorter, especially without a guest. My UMass homies, Celtics fans, y'all are not getting to me at all. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. What's going on with that? Uh, you know I'd support y'all in your endeavors. And if you're a Hoop fan and you're not listening to me, your boy is trying to educate you. I guarantee you I'm better than your favorite motherfucking person on Fox or whatever because I care more about the game than them. And yeah, we'll get into that as this podcast goes on. But anyway, Jason Tatum um, has been awesome. And I think this is going to be a, a, a situation where we look back in five years, ten years, as, or even just at the end of this year, as that was the playoffs where Jason Tatum became a superstar. And, you know, right now he's an all-star. But the way he's playing is that of a superstar. And the question with the Celtics has always been, can Jason Tatum be the best player on a championship team right now? I have, I have full confidence that he can be it at some point. But right now, is he ready to do a Dwayne Wade, win a championship, finals MVP in his third season? Is he ready for that jump? I don't know if he is because he still does play like a young guy. I mean, the guy is just a couple months older than me. So, you know, it's going to be hard. It's a very elite class of players that have been the best player at that young. Dwayne Wade comes to mind. Uh, Larry Bird. But Larry Bird was 24 when he did it in his second season. So it's a little different. Magic Johnson is, you know, my favorite player, but he wasn't the best player on the team. It was Kareem. Uh, Kareem did it his second season, but he had spent three years in college. So a little different. Jason Tatum, jury, we'll see uh, how the Celtics go, but right now they're looking good. And um, let's shift over to the um, Heat and the Bucks. Um, awesome first game. Uh, Jimmy Butler completely taken over in that fourth quarter. And for those that don't know, this is Jimmy Butler's Fourth straight playoffs with four different teams. And it's his second time in the second round. He's never made it to the conference finals. And once again, as I said in my uh, my last episode, this team, if you have Jimmy Butler as the best player, this team is perfectly constructed around him to, uh, to succeed. And Goran Dragic has continued to be amazing in this series. Everyone's been great. I mean, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson... I mean, and the defense has been on. They're so on a string defensively. They make life so tough. They communicate. They play good help defense. They play good individual defense. Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr. for stretches. I mean, this team is so likable. They're probably the most likable team in the league. I'm thoroughly enjoying watching them play, and they should be taken very seriously. And Jimmy Butler completely took over that fourth quarter in game one, and I love to see it because Jimmy Butler is one of those players with an old-school mentality. No friends. I'm for the squad. We're going to fight if we need to, and I want to win by any means necessary. And it says a lot about Jimmy Butler that the Sixers 
who are predicted to be one of the favorites to get to the championship, were worse than the Miami Heat this year, and he went from the Sixers to the Heat. So, Jimmy Butler, hats off to him. Let's talk about the Bucks in Game 2 now for a second. Giannis, I can't say I didn't tell you so because I did. It's quite obvious that the media hypes this man up too much. He still lacks skills. He wants to just Euro step to the basket every play and charge into people without spacing. He wouldn't even be that great. He'd be a solid, you know, star, but no superstar. I really like the kid or the guy. He's older than me, so I'll say the guy. I really like the guy. He's a very determined competitor. He doesn't lack the heart and the motivation. What he lacks is just the straight up skills. He lacks the skills. And he reminds me, as I said in the Who's the Goat podcast, a lot of young LeBron. And young LeBron was better than him, but they still rely so much on the athleticism that once you get to get play against great defensive teams, they will expose your flaws. And he is being exposed right now. So you motherfuckers at ESPN that put him over Kawhi should be kicked off the fucking show because you are a disgrace for saying that after last year's conference finals. I'm not some fucking guru over here. I just watched the damn games. Stats disrespectful. You want to shit on him because of load management? I'll load manage and play 40 games a season if you're going to do that shit in the playoffs and he's going to drop 33. That's a joke. And then also, you know what else is a joke? Bam out of bio, not winning most improved. Are you fucking serious? Sorry, I'm really angry at some of these events that have happened recently. Are you fucking serious? Let me break it down for a second. We talked about in the Who's the Goat podcast that when you don't play with LeBron James, if you're a guy that likes to rock with the ball, do your own thing, that you're going to score more. You're going to be more uh, effective. And Brandon Ingram is a guy that there's a reason why the Lakers kept Kuzma and traded Ingram. It's not just because New Orleans wanted those guys. It's because Brandon Kuzma was the best fit to stay with a LeBron because he's more of just a strictly bucket getter. Brandon Ingram is a lot more dynamic. He can play and pick and roll. He can kind of control the team, run the offense to an extent. So, of course, he's going to average five more points. And, of course, without LeBron and the Lakers, his confidence grows a bit, and he averages 24. But do you know what he still does? He has the same deficiency that I noticed in the 2018 season where they struggle, he struggles, and the whole Pelicans team struggled on so many occasions this year to close out games. Hence the reason why they compete with everybody but don't win enough games to make the playoffs. And here's the thing. Brandon Ingram was the second pick in the draft, and we all knew he would steadily increase his production as his career went on, and you shouldn't have thought... He averaged 19 points a game last year. It's a pretty safe bet to say he was going to average 20-plus points a game this year. Bam Adebayo was in no conversation outside of Heat Nation last year, and for him to be an all-star and to be on a second-round team, fuck that. A conference finals team and potentially a team that's going to make the championship, bringing up the ball, being so all-around and being considered an arguably top five center in the league, for him to not win most improved is a fucking atrocity. And all you fucking people in the media that aren't listening to this because, you know, my platform's not that big yet, you guys don't know shit. Because you guys run with these fucking narratives, and in 20... Oh, it's just so coincidence that Brandon Ingram is the most improved player after he stops playing with Le Control. Give me a fucking break. That's a disgrace. I feel so sorry for Bam Adebayo and the Heat fans because that guy has changed his game more than anyone. And I really like Brandon Ingram. I really like Brandon Ingram. But Jalen Brown has improved more than him. Ridiculous. And that's why the MVP, and that is not when I said the Who's the Goat, the MVP award is minimal when comparing legacies of greats because they're decided on by the media who doesn't watch every game and has casual fucking takes 
done ranting on that one. So let's get into another rant about the way the fucking game was officiated in this game against Miami in game two. Oh my goodness. And it was terrible both ways. I'm not saying it was bad for Miami or bad for Milwaukee, but holy fucking shit. I swear, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to say it, okay? This is the last time I'm going to say it. Everything from this point forward will only be positive. If you want to tell me that the NBA is in the best state it's ever been in any category besides three-point shooting and fancy-ass shit, then you're fucking wrong. It's not a right or wrong answer. It's a subjective opinion, and this shit is an atrocity to what I grew up and watched as a kid. Are you fucking serious? The refs deciding that game completely, and the right team won. Let it be known Miami deserved to win, and I have no problem with the result. But the game, they took over the game. They completely took over the game. And these players, because of this whole, you know, you need to let, let players land, they're landing on the floor and then a little bit of foot touching in the bottom and they're flopping on the ground. They're not playing the game. They're playing the officials. It's more like WWE now than the NBA or the fucking NDA, no defense association, because they want to handicap the defense and make it so that it's 150 to 140. And that shit is not enjoyable. Not for a true basketball purist like myself. Oh my fucking God. You know what? I started to say that I like the NBA now more than ever. No, I don't. It's only because the Clippers are good. And there's a lot of likable players in the NBA. But that shit is a fucking joke. No wonder the ratings are down. And they are down. It's not just illegal streams. I looked into it because the NFL's ratings aren't down and there's people illegal streaming their games. It's a joke. And I'm not saying it's just because of the physicality. I don't know what the reasons are. It says that the demographic that's not watching games... Uh, are under the age of 18 shocker because all the fucking Gen Z cucks want highlights and don't want to actually watch the games the NBA has become a joke I'm sorry I'm sorry I want to win this shit I want to but this entire playoffs or GSL tournament has been more about the officials the ejections should he got suspended I mean let's play fucking basketball it's ridiculous it's ridiculous this NBA is a joke Compared to what I grew up with. And that's, and you, you know, so, and, and that NBA might be a joke to what other people grew up with in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, I was watching a clip, guys, I, before I went to bed last night. I was watching a clip, and it was uh, Bulls Suns in the finals. And I swear to God, it was a 20-second clip. And you would think they're playing a different sport. It looks like an all-out scrum out there in terms of the physicality on the defensive end. Anyone that denies... And I heard, I'm sorry, I'm not going to stop hiding the names. Anyone that denies, and I'm looking at you at Fox, Colin Cowherd, and Nick Wright, and all these people that say that if you fundamentally deny that it's easier to score in today's NBA, you're a fucking idiot, and you don't know about the rules instated in 2004 that allow the freedom of movement and for players to not be hand-checked and less physicality because what we're seeing right now is a fucking there's more contact at the fucking park in my local rec in intramural games than in this fucking playoffs and it's no fault of the players because the players want to be more physical too they're just products of their environment but i cannot stand it because now they're just flopping at every single little bit of contact with their shoes do you guys know who bruce bowen is do you know he used to fucking intentionally do that to people now i'm not saying that's right but that is like the amount of injury chances that that could have caused years ago would have been a Injections today. Flagrant one every time. I am so ashamed. Not ashamed, but it's just shameful what the NBA has really become. 
And anyone that thinks it's better than it's ever been, you're clueless because you're probably just a Gen Z cuck that never watched any other era because that's the only explanation for it. I've never, I've honestly never heard someone think that the NBA is better now unless they're just obsessed with mixtape culture or three-pointers. Like, that's the only thing you can like about it. Because other than that, it's garbage compared to the old. I still love the NBA. I love basketball. I love the Clippers. And I'll never stop watching and I'll never stop talking about it. But compared to the old, it's an, it's an atrocity. Until the NBA fixes the rules and changes it. I'm not saying you need to bring back hand checking. I'm not saying you should allow fights all the time, even though I'd love it. But I saw Jimmy Butler get a technical for not letting someone sh like help his, his boy up in the game. There's a reason why the NBA has no fucking rivalries anymore. Because they, they rule out any sort of beef. Everybody wants to fucking, you know, suck each other's dicks in the locker room. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry if any of my family is going to listen to this and say you're cussing so much. I'm sorry, but I'm just so passionate about it. And I've hinted at, I've hinted at this for many podcasts now. And I've just hit my boiling point today because I'm so tired of the Gen Z cucks propping up this era and the media propping up this era when in all actuality, it's a joke compared to what the NBA used to be. The, the, so let's shift, shift to the, actually an awesome game, which was game seven of Denver and Utah, 80 to 78, real defense, contact being allowed, that's basketball. And I really enjoyed it too. Jokic was awesome, I thought. I thought that, Donovan was poor in the first half, but Donovan really gave it his... And here's the thing. When I talk about stars and not doing enough and did you give it your all, Donovan truly did give it his all. I mean, in that second half, he tried so hard. He gave it his all to get to get the Jazz over the finish line. And Rudy Gobich, <laughs> the reason I call him that is because, you know, I'm not a... First of all, the coronavirus thing that he did, but I don't like centers that have little to no skill and just sit there and block shots and rebound. I just don't think that those centers are going to really win a championship for you. You need to be able to hit a basic jump hook or have a little bit of skill, in my opinion. But Rudy Gobert played really well in the second half. Um, the, 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 the Jazz did a much better job on Jamal Murray, but ultimately it, they blew a 3-1 lead. And what did I say about uh, the finishing in today's NBA? Case in point, Torrey Craig nearly had the biggest choke in NBA history with that layup miss that he had. Full, I don't care if it was he was going fast. That was an open layup inexcusable that nearly cost him the series um I feel bad for Donovan I think he was awesome in this playoffs 33 6 and 5 his stats increased a significant amount which is the true sign of any star and I think if you're the Jazz after blowing the 3-1 lead they're the 12th team to do so by the way fun fact it's embarrassing um I really didn't really look at this series from a Jazz perspective like a Jazz fan but you know it's not just about game seven they shouldn't have lost three games in a row period and Jamal and Quinn Snyder, this was definitely his worst outing as a head coach because in game six, he kind of just continuously let Jamal Murray get into the pick and roll and go one-on-one. -on -one. At some point, as Charles Barkley said in, inside the NBA, you got to trap him and force the ball out of his hands because he was he's just been too hot all series. And the funny part is if you had told me that Jamal Murray was going to average 33, 34 points a game in the first round, I would have told you that the Jazz would get swept without Bogdanovich. So for them to even take it to seven is impressive. However, you can't blow a 3-1 lead. And Donovan should accept some responsibility for that too, even though he played so well. Because he did turn the ball over at the end of the game. And Gary Harris is a big plus for the Nuggets in the defensive end. I'm, I'm pretty worried about that, not going to lie. Um, so as we segue into the series preview for the Clippers and the Nuggets, I just want to say to the Jazz, I think that you need to keep Bogdanovich. Conley has one more year left of his deal. I'd say keep him around. Keep Clarkson, who also increased his scoring average in the playoffs to 17. 
and obviously to keep Donovan. But I think it's time for Rudy Gobert to go. I think him and Donovan don't even like each other that much. And I think that Jingles and Royce O'Neal have kind of underperformed again in the playoffs. And I think it's time for them to retool their team around Donovan, Bogdanovich, and Conley. But mostly just around Donovan. Um, because I think that you're not going to... With Gobert as your second best player, you're not going to do much in this league. You're going to be a first, second round team, and that's it. Um, but let's talk about the Nuggets, who incredibly came back from 3-1. And now they're going to play us in the second round. And I'm a little nervous, just because it's the second round. And, you know, this is where we've always fallen. I mean, we're 0-4 in the second round. Phoenix, OKC, Houston. Uh, I think that's it, actually. Houston, OKC. Oh, um, San Antonio in 2012, yeah. So, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for for five years. The Clippers are finally back in the second round, where we've always fallen. The Nuggets are extremely deep. I was starting to root for Utah. Um, and, yes, I'll t- take full it. I mean, I was wrong. Yes, I did think that the Jazz would, would not blow a 3-1 lead. I was wrong. Um, but the Nuggets have so much versatility. They have a lot of weapons that we have to be aware of. They're probably the next... I'd say the Clippers, the Heat, and the Nuggets are the deepest three teams in the NBA. And the Nuggets are going to have a lot of weapons for us. Now, their best player is Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray, and ours is Kawhi Leonard. So that's where we have the advantage. Um, the problem is they're, I, the guy that's guarded Kawhi Leonard the best this season, or one of the two alongside P.J. Tucker, has been Jeremy Grant. Uh, his length and his size kind of can do a job on Kawhi, make life tough for the claw. Um, so I'm not looking forward to that. Because if the claw just doesn't average 30 in the series, we're not going to win because I'm, I have no confidence in Paul George. I mean, one of the things that I'm looking forward to, though, is the return of Be- Patrick Beverly, which will be huge. I'm just hoping that Shamit going to the bench won't kill his confidence because he's been so good on both ends in the playoffs or since he was inserted into that starting lineup. And I'm, I'm just really hoping that Montrez does better this series now that he's got some games under him. And it's really going to be about, once again, it's really all about Paul George. If we get a good Paul George, we're going to have no problem in this series. I mean, they're gassed. You saw Jamal Murray's reaction talking to Scott Van Pelt. He was surprised they even had a game on Thursday. So I expect us to come out. We better win on Thursday. We better win game one. Because even though we've been resting, no excuses. They've had a dogfight series with Utah. We need to come out and hit them in the mouth. And we have no excuse not to win this series. Can I see us choking? Yeah, because we're the fucking Clippers. I can see us choking at any point. But realistically, we have to win this series. We should win this series. And we're gonna win this series and make history. Because you you know what? You want to know something? The Los Angeles Clippers, their first time playing the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs was 06. It was my first year as a fan. And it was our first time we ever made it out the first round. 14 years later, the Clippers are playing the Denver Nuggets again. A totally different Clippers team. A totally different Nuggets team. There's two things in common. Sam Cassell is on the Clippers in some capacity. Now he's an assistant coach. And it's going to be the first time we make it out of this round now. You're just there for the ride, Denver. Clippers in six. That's my prediction. Now let's end it with the Lakers. Uh, Houston series. That was awesome. I mean, my boy Chris Paul. He's got my number one favorite player of all time spot for the next two weeks. Because if we beat the Nuggets in the second round and Kawhi gets us to the conference finals, I mean, that's it. He's my favorite player of all time. Uh, Pure basketball-wise, it's Magic Johnson. and I don't think that's ever going to change. Uh, if we're just talking about which player I like the most in terms of just the way they played, it's Magic Johnson by a landslide. But I wasn't alive for that, and no matter how many old games I can watch, it'll never be the same. So it's got to be Kawhi after we make it out of the second round. But Chris Paul was awesome, and he just had an unbelievable season, showing people that he's not washed. 
He is declining. Yes, he's not the same Chris Paul with the Clippers, but he's still fantastic despite all the injuries he's had. And that's the reason why I think he was so good this series because he only missed one game this whole season before the stoppage. So, I mean, it's always been about health for Chris Paul. We know he's capable. We always arguably a top 10 point guard of all time. Arguably. And that's me saying that. So, if you think I'm stupid, go do your research once again. Um, but Chris Paul was great. SGA was great. Uh, I think SGA definitely had some shaky games in the series. Um, I think for OKC to take it to seven was good. I did predict Rockets in seven in my preview show with Asher. So, my pick was right on the money on this one. Um, Russell Westbrook came back and he looked really rusty in game six. That fourth quarter takeover by Chris Paul was something for the ages. But ultimately, the Rockets came out in a thrilling game seven. James Harden had a huge block at the end on Lugens Dort. And Lugens Dort really made a name for himself in this series with his defense. And for him to perform like that in game seven, it kind of reminded me of Draymond Green in game seven against uh, Cleveland in the finals, just randomly just going off. And it was an awesome season for OKC. They thoroughly overachieved. Where they go from here, I don't know. I just know that SGA will be there, and I think the future is bright. But it was a good season. But for Houston, Westbrook got back into a little rhythm in Game 7, which is a, I think it's a blessing in disguise, actually, going into this Lakers series. Because without, without Russell Westbrook close to 100%, this Rockets team has no chance to beat the Lakers. And even though the Lakers have no real matchups for Harden and Russ, I think KCP, Danny Green, and Caruso are going to try. And I think Caruso is by far the best defender of the three. And he's going to be tasked with guarding Harden and, and Russ a lot. But in that starting lineup, the Rockets should abuse the Lakers. And I think the Lakers should abuse the Rockets with AD. But let's see what they do. This is going to be a true test of Anthony Davis and how good he is at using his size and how dominant he can be. Because I think the Rockets have a lot more guys to throw at LeBron now. I think he's going to have a much tougher time. So let's see where LeBron's at with some real defense now. Because Gary Trent Jr. and Carmelo Anthony ain't enough. Now we're going to have Daniel House. Robert Covington, Jeff Green, and P.J. Tucker. All guys that can match up with LeBron on a size perspective and a strength perspective. And I'm really interested in this series. It's literally a matchup of two seven-footers in the starting lineup versus no seven-footers in the starting lineup. So it should be extremely intriguing. The Lakers have been resting for a while, though. And ultimately, besides that, I think that they're just the better team. They're the smarter team. The Rockets are still a Mike D'Antoni team. They're going to shoot themselves out of games. They have no size. They never know when to quit. They got really lucky in this series. And even though they didn't have Russ, I still think the Lakers will win in six thus setting up the ultimate showdown in the conference finals. However, am I rooting for the... I hate, honestly, once again, I'm going to repeat this for the millionth time before we close. I don't hate the Lakers at all. I don't want LeBron... I hate LeBron James and the Lakers, and I would love nothing more than to see him lose as early as possible so I can come on here and shit talk and tell you I was right and that he is a disgrace to the greats. But... I think he will get the job done in this series. I think Anthony Davis will as well. And I think that the Rockets will have the same old narrative. And by the way, guys, for you Rockets fans that kept making excuses about James Harden, and the only reason he lost was because of the Warriors. Well, it's time to put up or shut up. Get the job done. This is it. No excuses. No super team. They have two superstars, and that's it. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but my pred prediction is Lakers in six. And I think that's all we got. Uh, I'm sorry I got really angry at points in this episode, but I'm really not sorry because you guys want the unfiltered, the 100% what I think, the honest take, as my friend Sammy D calls it. Please give me feedback. If you just listen to this whole thing, you better text me right now. Give me feedback. And the NBA is a sham. 
in terms of the officiating. It better fucking clean up. Regardless, the 2020 NBA is a joke compared to the old. In my opinion, it fucking sucks. Okay? But the Clippers are going to win the championship, and that's going to make 2020 the greatest year ever, despite the bullshit. Let me know what you think. Uh, make sure to subscribe on all platforms. Peace.